Queen of Hearts episode 209 is the topic of today's official ABC Once Upon a Time podcast. I'm your host, Estelle McGecky, and the creators and executive producers of Once, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis, are here to guide you through a recap. Hi, guys. Hello, everyone. Hello. This week was a jam-packed episode, and you guys unraveled more of the backstory and motivations of each character, and it started with Hook yet again. Now, I know Hook's a pirate, and as you've said in the past, he must have done something to become the captain of the Jolly Roger. But I do find myself surprised in the opening scene when he almost kills Belle, only to be stopped by the evil queen. Again, another surprising twist. Was it surprising because this is the first time we've explicitly seen this side of Hook? I think we've seen hints of it, and I think that that's, you know, one of the things that's interesting to us to write about the character, which is... He is so charming and dashing on one hand, but he is also tough and scary and do terrible, terrible things he on the other. just ripped a woman's heart out. You didn't kill her. Well, that's true. He's about to do something awful to Belle. The interesting thing is everyone is disarmed because, like Adam said, he's so charming and he's so handsome and he's so much fun to watch. And then every once in a while you realize, oh, right, he is a pirate. And I think that there's also a lot of time that passed between the events of episode four of this year where we saw him lose his hand to Rumpel and where we see him now. So, you know, there's a lot of things have happened to him and there was a lot of stuff before that too, before he got the Jolly Roger. And I think that these are areas that we're excited to fill in the blanks on. I also think he's on his own team, but he does have a code. And I think you see that when he gives Aurora's heart back. He may have stolen the heart, but he stole it to ingratiate himself back with Cora and get to Storybrooke. He didn't want to kill her. So you may see him trying to kill Belle in the beginning, but yet you see him handing a heart back to someone at the end he barely knows. And you're just like, I don't understand what he's thinking. And I think that's what makes him so great. And it wasn't just a random save. I mean, he really leaned over the vortex to actually capture it so that it wouldn't be lost. Yeah. Yeah. He is a hero trapped inside a villain's body or a villain trapped inside a hero's body. I don't know which one it is yet. When the evil queen plots with Hook to steal her mother's heart, is it revenge or is it, as the evil queen later puts it, because her love for her mother is a form of weakness? So if you remember last year in episode two, Regina left the wedding and she wanted to enact this curse, but she didn't realize she didn't know enough about it. So in her mind, when this episode starts, she believes she's got this curse back from Maleficent. She's just going to kill her horse, throw the heart in, and she's got it. And she's like, the only thing that can get in the way of my revenge, my revenge on Snow White, my revenge on everybody is my mother because my mother's grip on my heart is too strong and I can't bring her with me because I think there's a part of Regina who still needs her mother's approval and who still needs her mother's love but at this moment thinks she's never going to get it. So it's a lot easier to just let the past go because what she needs to do now is so dark and so evil, and she's not even thinking about having a kid. She's just tunnel-focused with rage and anger. And what, of course, happens is she believes she kills her mom, then she finds out she can't enact the curse, and then, unfortunately, that means it's time for the dad. Cora was very perceptive to keep her heart locked away. And I love the correlation between the Queen of Hearts and Cora actually stealing hearts. Last year, obviously hinted at it when we showed you the Queen of Hearts in the Mad Hatter episode and never showed you her face. And we always knew it was going to be Barbara, but we wanted to reveal it this year when people got to know her a little better. And for us, there is clearly a story of how when she got banished through the looking glass to Wonderland... She rose to queen pretty quickly. 
And if you're so inclined and wish to go back and watch episode 17, Hattrick, last year, if you listen closely, you'll hear that is Barbara Hershey's voice as the Queen of Hearts whispering mm-hmm. in that scene. That was a little Easter egg we did last year. There was a lot of speculation. There was a lot of speculation, yeah, but uh, we can confirm it. That was her voice. Cora is shocked that Regina wants her dead. And as a viewer, I really sympathize with Regina, but I feel that our perception of Cora is challenged with that beautiful performance of Barbara Hershey's. Love our Barbara Hershey and very, very happy to have her on the show. It's just that moment that says so much about her character and she plays it so well. Yes. And Cora, I feel, sees things so differently to everyone else. Cora loves her daughter and thinks she's doing what's best for her daughter and herself, but that is a moment of true hurt and true pain, and Barbara did a a wonderful job with it, but I think what it really did was help deepen the character and make us realize that for all the terrible things she does, they're coming from a place of what she thinks is good. I think what's interesting about all our villains is we've seen them do some horrific things to people, some really terrible, horrible things, and yet all of them have somebody they love or somebody whose love they want and somebody who, you know, as we said last year, evil's not born, it's made, and yet it seems to be some touchstone or something in all their lives that they're striving for. I find I'm drawn into the villains in Once Upon a Time. I have such sympathy for them, yet they're so dark. It's incredibly rare to be able to evoke that kind of emotion. And it's really difficult to write a character so beautifully with such depth. For us, I don't think we could write a character that was just evil for evil's sake because there's nothing to latch on to. So why we love writing the Queen is because she's so tortured. And why we love writing Rumpelstiltskin is because he's a man who feels he's incapable of being loved. And for us, it's fun. Evil for evil's sake is never fun for us to write, but characters doing evil things for recognizable reasons is interesting to us because it's the choices that we all think about but we would never do because we, for the most part, are not evil. But to see how weakness can get into into someone and how that... They can be tem- corrupted. They can be corrupted and how temptation, the ramifications of temptation are when you follow follow the wrong path is fun for us. Then later when Cora, with the help of Hook plots to kill her daughter, Cora does a 360 and changes her mind. Can you talk about that moment between her and Regina? Yeah, well, I think that what happened, well, A, we found out how, from last week's podcast, how Hook was able to rip a heart out, and that was because he was enchanted by Regina. But I think that in that moment, Cora is like, well, it appears I'll never get my daughter back. If she's that over me to kill me, then I think it's time for me to show her who's the boss. And what happens is she's laying there with all the intentions of killing her daughter, and when she realizes her daughter loves her, she has something that she hasn't had for a long time, which was hope. And it was the hope that she could get her daughter back. And when the daughter said, your grip on my heart is too strong, that's when she realized, I need to let her enact this curse because I know it's going to be broken and I know my daughter will be broken and then she'll need her mommy. I think to us, that's what makes Cora so great. For us, a villain who just wants money or wants world rule is not as fun as somebody who wants an emotional or a personal goal that we can relate to. Cora truly believes that Regina will need her in 28 years. And again, it's it's that perspective of Cora's that just keeps her going back, yeah. treading on a path that none of us would ever look at. Yeah, I mean, she believes that her daughter has to go through a lot of things, but when this curse ends, she'll have her opportunity. 
and she's a patient woman and she's going to do what it takes to get what she wants. And I think what's interesting is that in the episode you flip to the other side and Regina's actually redeemed. Regina doesn't want her mom. Regina for the very first time, I wouldn't say for the first time, but you know, she's done the right thing here. Hell has frozen over. She has saved Snow White's life. And then at the end, as Henry leaves with his mom and the Snow Whites and the people she's always fought against and Gold says to her, maybe they'll invite you to dinner, you realize she's like, I did the right thing and is this what happens when you do the right thing? Because I used to do the wrong thing and I would feel better than this. And so when her mother arrives at the end of the episode, you realize Regina's pretty broken. Near the end of the episode, when everyone goes to dinner, I really feel for Regina. Yeah. I want the group to include her so much. And I know that she's been a catalyst for all this trouble, but she's really making an effort in this scene. She's making a huge effort. And I think that, you know, when you're bullied every day and the bully one day stops and says he's sorry, and even though the bully may have just saved your life, you still aren't 100% over your anger and you still want that bully to prove that they've really changed. What I love about this episode is there is no way you can watch this and not feel bad for the queen and yet last year she killed Graham, she tried to kill Emma, she poisoned her son (laughs) accidentally, she enacted a curse that took away everything everybody loves because she was angry at Snow White and yet in this moment you feel bad for her because she's trying to change and I think that's what I love and I think that's what makes Second season so much fun is now you really get to deepen the characters and play with them. When Emma and everyone is locked in Rumpel's cell, Hook lords the bean at Emma and mentions a conquest. Yeah. yeah. Can you please promise us that he didn't kill the giant? I uh, God, that would be horrible. I would be so oh, yeah. disappointed if the giant was dead and I didn't get to see him yeah, again. I really think that... That would be a horrible show. I think that would be terrible and I think that you can rest assured that uh, the giant did not die. So... Did Hook's allegiance change or was he always most closely aligned with Cora all along? I think, truthfully, when he was with Emma, who was much more stable than Cora, even though they've gone through so much together, I think he was honest with her. When he said, I wouldn't have done that to you, he meant it. Now, whether or not there's some subtext under there, if he met her and she reminds him of somebody he loves or somebody he could love, that could be left for the boards and interpretation. But I do believe that when he gives his word, he means it. And that's the thing with Hook. No matter what he does and how terrible it is, the man does have a code and he does live by it and he does stick to it. The code may turn around and be a huge threat to you and it may not be to your best advantage, but he does, in his own way, have his own form of honor. Earlier in Storybrooke, when Regina and Gold are stealing the fairy dust in the mines, Gold references the one that he's using and says that it belonged to a dead fairy that no one will miss. Yes. So, who's a dead fairy? Yeah. <laughs> well, if we remember last year in episode four, he ended up sending Cinderella to a ball with her fairy godmother's wand, and here it is being used and he doesn't like fairies because the blue fairy took his son away and even though he let his son go he still blames the fairies for providing that portal and he has hated them ever since he thinks he did quite a favor to the world by getting rid of that fairy yes he mentioned that proudly yeah (laughs) he hates them he does And throughout this episode, it was really striking to see Mr. Gold nervous. At least that's how I interpreted it. He's always so composed. He seems almost desperate to isolate the portal, even if that means killing Snow and Emma, which seems so out of character for me. Is Cora really that much of a threat to him? Well, you know, 
they broke the curse. You know, what's interesting is when you were talking about the scene with the desiccated bean, Hook says to her, you're like this bean, your purpose is done. So throughout this episode, Emma's wondering, maybe my job's done. I was told to be the savior. I broke the curse. That's all there is to me. And I think that Gold always supported Emma, but to break the curse. And in this moment, what's best for him is not having Cora there. They have a past together. Is he afraid or is he just tunnel focused on other things in his life and doesn't need that distraction? You know, when he's with Belle, we love him. We've seen him be really sweet to Henry and we love him. But at the same time, we have to remember he's still the dark one. Regina really wants to protect Henry by closing the portal. So it was an incredibly big action to believe in Henry and open it again. Regina's wrestling with doing the right thing. This is sort of the culmination of what she's been going through all season so far. Can she do the right thing? Can she redeem herself? Can she legitimately have Henry love her and love her for the right reasons? And when push came to shove in this episode, we saw that the love she feels for Henry was so strong that it made her do the right thing. But then, tragically, she pays the price for it. I think in a lot of ways, Regina realized that once Henry knew what she was really doing and that Gold's little magic is unpredictable con he'll never know has gone away, she realized that she had to keep that portal open because Henry would never believe Cora was coming through. He would always have thought it was Emma and Mary Margaret and she would have always been responsible for their death. It was a moment where she realized, as much as I don't want my mom here, I will never win Henry back if I take his love away the way my mom took mine. And even though there are different kinds of love, that's what had to happen. And so she, in that moment, realized if I ever really truly want my son back, I need to do this, no matter what the cost. And unfortunately, the cost is she reunited him with his mom, and she feels left out. Hopefully it won't last that long. Hopefully. Or she's going to get really dark. I mean, her mom's back. She does have quite an influence on her, and I don't know. You know, you can be off the bottle so long, but every once in a while you may just need a drink, and I think people should watch out if that happens. When Cora reaches for Emma's heart, was it the act of bravery that repelled Cora or Emma's personal magic? It's something specific to Emma. And I believe at the very end when she confronts gold and she believes it's what we were talking about earlier, which is, you know, am I, is my job done? My job is to break the curse and now I'm just a nobody. And she says something weird happened. Did you design that? Cause now she's thinking I'm just his puppet. And he says, no, that was magic. So the question I have now going forward in the season is Emma capable of magic? Because her parents, I've never, I've seen them use magic and I've seen them be victims of magic, but I've never actually seen them wield it. So it's interesting for me to see what happens with Emma. My favorite moment is seeing the Jolly Roger on the horizon. What was yours? I guess my favorite moment is actually Gold saying to Regina, congratulations, you just reunited mother and son. Maybe they'll invite you to dinner. And the look of hurt on her face as they all walk away, I think is my favorite moment because we were able to get you to feel sorry for the most villainous person on the show. Yeah, I would have to say the heartbreak for Regina at the end was my favorite part. I think watching all her dreams kind of crumble and seeing that despite doing the right thing, she was not going to get to be with Henry the way she wanted to. I think ultimately that's you know what the episode was about, was getting to that moment on top of the arrival of the Jolly Roger. That was a lot of fun. 
We have a few Facebook and Twitter questions for you. From Twitter, Matt C. and from Facebook, star Nizwanda actually had similar questions. Mm. They were both curious about the hat that Jefferson forced Emma to make when he held her and Mary Margaret captive. Did Jefferson jump through Emma's handmade hat when he escaped out the window? No. He was kicked out a window by Snow White. Yeah, he didn't jump through the hat. The hat... Emma made didn't work. And Snow, because there was no magic. Because there was no magic. And Emma and Snow in the fight, Snow pushed him out the window. He survived the fall and disappeared into Storybrooke. Right. And we saw him reunite with his daughter uh, this year in episode three, was it? Yeah. Yes. Somewhere in that neighborhood. I know it was this year. So when we were seeing him at the end of Hat Trick last year, making all the hats, that was a flashback. That was Wonderland. That was not him where he wound up in present day. In present day, he was off licking his wounds. From Twitter, Sir Tarzan asks, is King George going to be formally arrested for murder? That's an interesting question, and it's a very interesting question because, as we know, Storybrooke is not very open to outsiders. So, truthfully... If he were to be arrested for murder, he would be sent to a state penitentiary. But the case would be he killed a mouse and he has framed a werewolf. What happens to King George will be explained when you come back from Christmas break. Eddie and Adam, thank you so much. Thank you. Happy holidays, everyone. And please come back because I think you will all want to see what happens when Cora gets into Storybrooke. Yeah, thank you all for listening and watching. Vote for the People's Choice Awards. You are people. You can vote. You can vote. Thank you, everyone, for listening and for tuning in. If you'd like to be part of our next session, please add your question to our podcast post on the Once Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash onceabc, or tweet me your question at Estelle underscore MCG. Please join Eddie and Adam next week and tune in to Once Upon a Time, Sundays, 8, 7 central on ABC and available the following day at abc.com. Thanks so much for listening. 